1: It's Ask the Lawyer with Mike Connors. Got questions concerning elder or state law? Attorney Mike Connors has the answer. He's been recognized as one of New York's top lawyers by New York Magazine and brings nearly 40 years of experience to the table. His office number is 718-238-6500. That's 718-238-6500. Here's Mike Connors.
2: We are gathered here on Hallowed Garage. we
3: welcome to ask the lawyer with me mike connors for those of you know the show you know ordinarily the show with the first part of the show we talk about estate planning and elder law and the idea behind estate planning is to pass assets from one generation to the next paying the least amount in taxes we need to pay legally avoiding going through court avoiding probate as far as elder law is concerned trying to save assets from nursing home bills now ordinarily right now we would have a one of the attorneys in our office, and we talk about estate planning and ask a question or two. But today's going to be a different kind of show because we're all kind of in mourning. We lost one of the true greats of New York State politics, Mike Long. And, and with us today, I have Jerry Kassar, present chairman of the New York State Conservative Party, Fran Vella Marone, chairman of the Kings pa- County Conservative Party. And we're all feeling the loss. And, and Jerry, let's start. You knew Mike the longest. So, I know you've been interviewed a lot, so what...
4: Well, I'm, I've I've known Mike uh, since 1977, but it was not directly through the Conservative Party. Mike, uh, for many, many years, was considered such a fine political strategist and tactician that he often ended up in a volunteer capacity, because the reality of Mike Long was he was a shop owner, an ice cream parlor owner, eventually a liquor store owner. The reality was, though, he knew so much about politics and human behavior that he often was running political campaigns. And that year he was running a campaign for a guy named Barry Farber, a radio personality himself, who was running for New York City mayor. And I volunteered early on to help with that. Barely got to know Mike, but I did get to know him a little bit, but got to know a lot of the group, the Conservative Party group. Uh, And from there, I really liked what I saw. I liked Mike Long as a political leader and i got a little bit more involved with the party and he made the party so welcoming so warm so much fun frankly that you couldn't help but want to be more involved with them and uh, you know one thing led to another i'm the type of guy when i get active i get really active
3: now you, you know you just brought up a name for the past which i think some of us remember fondly barry farber who was barry farber and what was he running for
4: well he was running that year for mayor of new york city he was a. Uh, national radio personality based out of New York City known for his uh, being very folksy and known for um, uh, really a a very strong wit Uh, conservative minded certainly and actually uh, Mike Long was on his radio show many 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 times Uh, and Barry just passed away about a year or two ago but he certainly was uh, a big deal uh, as a personality running for New York City mayor was in a Republican primary. He almost almost won the Republican primary. And then he actually went on to November where he got more votes on the conservative party line than we normally get. And the whole experience was generally considered a positive thing for the conservative party. We actually, uh, that year, were able to um, elect um, some city council members and have a generally good year for the conservative party.
3: Okay, now I think some people probably think that Mike was one of the founding members of the Conservative Party, but Mike got involved just a little bit later, right?
4: 1964, Mike Long, at the age of 24, heard that there was going to be this big rally for Barry Goldwater and this Marine, and if I say former Marine, I'm sure somebody will come through the uh, microphone to strangle me, but this Marine, um, he decided... He liked what he saw when he went to this rally at Madison Square Garden for Barry Goldwater and it was filled to the rafters. And from there, Mike had, he was bit. He was bit with the concept of being more involved. You know, you know what you know, you believe in what you believe, but do you act on what you believe? Many talk a good talk. Some, some mobilize. Mike Long, for his entire life, was a guy who mobilized. And he did the campaign there, and he went on to help Bill Buckley in 65 and for mayor, stayed locally active in Cypress Hills. They formed a large conservative club, very large club actually. Um, And eventually in 1968, Mike chose to become the local officially elected party leader in that part of Brooklyn. And uh, he was successful in 1968 as a party leader in electing a Republican assemblyman to Cypress Hills, New York, a guy named Vito Batista, who had in an area that had not seen um, an elected Republican council member, uh, um, assembly member, assembly member since probably before the Civil War. And uh, that was uh, that was Mike Long, a little incremental stuff that made big differences. All
3: right, so if you, you want to go a little bit further in the history, man, you know, we've kind of neglected Fran here. Fran, you got involved around 1980, right? Correct. Okay, so how did you get involved back then?
5: Well, I was a 17-year-old high school student, and I wanted to get involved in politics. So I noticed that there was a local congressional campaign going on, and I, I got a piece of literature. I mailed back a little coupon on that piece of literature, and lo and behold, I got a phone call saying, would you like to volunteer on the campaign? I went to the campaign office, and the first person I met, first person I ever met in politics, first person I ever met in the conservative party was Mike Long.
3: Okay, that's interesting. So, I mean, that was Paul Adanasio's campaign in in 1980.
4: But let me, can I ask you a question on that, Fran? You met Mike Long there. I mean, he was the type of guy, he probably sent you out to hand out literature, and he probably was very much into the work you were doing. He was that type of guy. You would interact. Tell me how it went.
5: Well... It's an interesting, Mike always told this story, and I know that's why you're, you're, you're teeing it off. But Mike always told this story that I walked in, they weren't sure what to do with me exactly, but they said, okay, here's, here's some literature, go to this location, this corner, and hand out the literature. Well, I was out for several hours, it was raining out, there was bad weather, they were wondering what happened to me, they thought something happened. So I walked in. And I was a little wet from the rain, and uh, he said, what happened? Did did you finish handing out everything? I said, yeah. He goes, well, why don't you sit and relax? I said, no, can I have some more? And he always tells that story because he always felt that I was a hard worker and I was somebody that was dedicated, and he wanted somebody like that, a young person. As a matter of fact, he would say to me on a number of occasions that I was a good student, and I want to say that I was a good student because I had a good teacher, Mike Long.
3: All right, you know, like, and and then one of the things, I guess, we had 1980, Reagan won, we lost that congressional race, Paul Adonazio lost barely, you know, by a couple of thousand votes, which was very close for a congressional election, and then 1982 comes around, and what's Mike doing in 1982, Jerry?
4: Well, first, let's finish 80. Mike was uh, an elector for President Reagan, and in Albany, he was made the Secretary of the Electoral College. Reagan won New York in 80 and 84, and no one uh, running for president on the Republican line and conservative lines has won since. The Conservative Party normally gets a percentage of the electors, a small percentage, and Mike was chosen to be one of those electors. And I know he considered that one of the greatest honors of his political career, uh, his interaction with Reagan uh, that year. But I just want to finish the Reagan story. In 1970. No, excuse me. I think it was 1975, that's when it was, 1975, Governor Reagan came to New York and was the guest speaker at the conservative party at dinner, and he was sat next to Mike Long. And Mike was going to be responsible for introducing him, but Mike did not, and my, everybody knew Ronald Reagan as the governor of California. I mean, he was, he was that big a personality in 75, but... To be sitting next to Ronald Reagan could be, one would think, a very bit of a, you know, a bit of a stressful time. And I know Mike has told me that when he was sitting there, he was a little stressed knowing he was going to have to introduce him, and it was Ronald Reagan. And he said that Ronald Reagan started talking to him in such a way that all his stress disappeared, all his anxieties went away, and he felt... 20 minutes later when he went up to the podium that he knew ronald reagan for his entire life and that was and and mike told that story quite a bit mike had many many other interactions but that was his first and you know it really tells you a little bit about mike and it tells you a lot about ronald reagan but as far as 1982 is concerned in 1981 mike was uh made a member of the new york city council so in 1982 Mike was a member of the New York City Council. He was playing a bigger role in the state conservative party as well as still being the Brooklyn chairperson. And in 82, a woman named uh, Florence Sullivan. Uh, let me ask you, This your Connors and Sullivan would not be this Florence Sullivan by any chance? It
5: yeah, I be. think so.
3: Yeah. <laughs> Memory serves me right. Yeah. Might,
5: might be him, Mike.
4: That particular what? Florence Sullivan uh, ran for the United States Senate. She had been a state legislator. And Mike was <laughs> heavily, heavily involved in keeping that insanity from becoming a lunacy. Because of Mike Long, she was able to do actually very well. And, um, and you know, obviously she didn't beat Moynihan, but she, uh, she made us proud. And actually that became her slogan. She made us, she'll make you proud again. And a lot of that was due uh, to, the, uh, to Mike Long, frankly.
3: Yeah, and, and you know, we should remember Florence Sullivan who passed away not that long ago either. Um and she her mother grew up two doors from where my father grew up on seventy second street. You know, the the Clintons and the Connors, you know, grew up two doors apart on, you know, five fifty six, I think and five sixty seventy second street. Um and her her uncle married my aunt. So oh,
4: I didn't
5: know that. I didn't,
4: yeah. know. I didn't know that. Wow. Yeah, I did not know that. I I don't remember her, actually not her mother. I remember her father very well.
3: Yeah, I I didn't know her mother. Of course, yeah. my, you know her father was old man Grady to me. So yeah. that was, <laughs> you know, I don't. Yeah, <laughs> I guess I know his first name, but I didn't. He was just old man Grady, uh, but retired fireman. Um. All right. So 1982. Besides Florence Sullivan, there was a big governor's race back then. So uh,
4: Mike Mike played a big role in that too, but Mike was part of a leadership of the party. I mean, there were other leaders. Uh, there was the state chairman Dan Mahoney, the executive director, Sir Maltese. I might say it was like a triumphant, and then there was Mike Long. And actually, Mike was very, very big in uh, moving Lerman onto the center stage um, of the uh, conservative movement in the state. They became very good friends. Uh, Lou Lerman was the owner, uh, the, the largest shareholder, but really the the owner, in a sense, of the Rite Aid drug chain at that point, and and he had a lot of business sense. And of all the people that I've met that have been involved in po- I've been involved in politics with, on kind of a more local type level, Mike was always the person with the most business sense. You know, we're not talking here IBM, but we're talking a guy who understood uh, what people who were potential consumers thought as they walked into a store. And that was something that Lou Lerman was spending years of his life attempting to learn, and Mike Long, frankly, knew it. Uh, can I, I want to just do an, uh, I want to allude to something. It takes it a little off, but it, it seems to me like it's logical at this point. So I'm going to move up a few years. I'm going to move up to Governor Pataki getting elected in 1994, which I know you were going there, but this story uh, works to that. So after 1994, all sorts of people wanted to meet with Mike Long, and it was like, they'd call me, they'd call others, and you you could arrange a meeting. And they really, really thought it was a big deal if they could get a meeting with him. And they would come over to his offices. It's the same place we still are in Bayridge, And they would do their meeting, and they'd be satisfied or not satisfied. It was going to be what it was going to be. They'd go about their business. But here's the interesting thing. It was a very, very big deal to come and see Mike Long. They always thought, anyone who we set this up for, that... Wow, what type, they have excellent contact. But he was the funny part. A 100 yards down the block, maybe a little less actually, was his local business, which was a liquor store. And all anyone ever had to do was walk into the store and you would find him behind the cash register, very often talking to a local community person who might have come in to buy something or not, and they were talking inevitably politics. Anyone who actually ever wanted to see Mike Long All they really had to do was walk into his business and they would find him behind the counter. But people don't think of politics that way. They always think of the guy in politics as somehow being somebody that's above or beyond when all he ever was was just the uh, guy who wanted to be the shopkeeper with the business down the block.
5: I think you said once or twice, Jerry, that uh, Mike was extraordinary because he was ordinary.
4: I have said that. Thank you. That, I think, describes him.
3: So I'm not sure exactly what year we are. We're talking about Lou Lerman in 1982 and Pataki in 1994. Um, When did Mike become state chairman?
4: Uh, December of 1988. uh, Surf Maltese had been state chairman. Surf became, and Mike was the executive vice chairman. But Mike had been running the party all through 88 because Surf was running for New York State Senate, and he got elected to the New York State Senate. A registered conservative got elected. And what happened was... um, Mike, um, there, was a, uh, there, w- there was a discussion, and there was a need for a change. I know Mike was hesitant because I know Mike knew this was going to change his life a bit because, you know, this is, in a way, people don't realize, although it's not entirely a volunteer position, for most of Mike's career, it was essentially a volunteer position to be state chairman. Maybe a stipend, expense papers. So, you know, he has nine children. He's got a business He's got a lot of civic activity, much, much more civic and charitable activity than I think any story is accurately described at this point. Enormous. And now he's going to become state chairman, which is, I can tell you, a state chairman. It's it's a full-time job that you really, um, you know, you really really just got to put in the hours. There's no way around it. So that's when, December of 88. All
3: right, so December of 88. um, I guess we... you know, we kind of left out uh, Alphonse D'Amato somewhere in there, you know.
4: We didn't totally. Not, well, I, you know what?
3: Because originally Mike did not support you're Alphonse right. My, D'Amato. Mike, Mike,
4: supported, I, I, Mike supported Bruce Caputo, but here's the he is, uh, he is the story of Mike Long in politics, which is different than two out of three people you run into, summarized in this race. Mike did go out early on to meet with Alphonse who was the uh, town supervisor of the town of Hempstead, which is the, like the largest town in the United States, like 400,000 people or something, they did not hit it off that well. Uh, maybe it was the uh, Brooklyn versus uh, Nassau. I don't know, but it was a little, didn't hit it off that well. He was supporting a gentleman named Bruce Caputo, who had been uh, Perry Duryea's ca- uh, lieutenant gubernatorial candidate and a member of Congress. It didn't work out, but the way it was set was that Mike with other party leaders were going to do an early endorsement, so they held an early convention, and we fought it out at that convention, and Mike's side, which I, of course, was on, did not come up ahead. It was over. A decision was made. Mike joined the team, and one thing about Mike joining the team, it meant we were all in. We were were all in. If you knew Mike Long, you were in. And Mike uh, Mike uh, was deservingly given credit by Alphonse in the last couple of days for playing such a significant role in his 1980 campaign. And a lot of people bring up what Mike Connors just said, but, but those that were there at the time knew that Mike was all in once the decision was made. So that expression, you take your bat and ball and go home, Mike took his bat and ball and went up to the plate.
3: All right, so, uh, you know, maybe we should go back a little bit. We were talking before we got on about the founding fathers of the Conservative Party. And who were they? You know, they deserve a little bit of, because Mike kind of carried the torch from them.
4: So, so, a little bit of an interesting story here. Um, The founding fathers were both young and old. The uh, brothers, Dan Mahoney, brother-in-law, and his brother-in-law, Kieran O'Doherty, were young attorneys who had the where-for-all and knowledge to go through the New York State election law and create the mechanism which can be complicated in New York State for forming a third party. But they were coming off the—and uh, Young Americans for Freedom was kind of involved in all this. They were coming off what they call the uh, uh, the uh, the Sharon Statement, which was the Statement of Formation of Young Americans for Freedom, which took place in Sharon, Connecticut in 1961, where the Buckley family played a big role in creating Young Americans for Freedom. And in turn, New York State almost became like the uh, the big, uh, the big uh, melting pot to figure out how we're going to stir, stir this up into a political party. However, there was a professor named Charlie Rice who was also a founder, who was an intellect, an intellect on so many levels, who knew conservative philosophy and the conservative thought process in terms of the teachings of what was becoming the new conservative movement from the late 1950s. However, to your surprise, as I'm saying this to you, you're going to find out that, of all people, the Franklin Roosevelt family played a role in forming the party at that time. The highest award the Conservative Party gives out is the Charles Edison Award. Charles Edison was the Secretary of the Navy under Franklin Roosevelt, and his father was Thomas Edison. Charles Edison was the actual glue from a mature perspective that brought all the factors together and provided a certain level of influence because he was Charles Edison that made the Conservative Party more than a group of young guys and some philosophical people and a bunch of uh, Buckleys into the Conservative Party. And Charles Edison was involved with the party until he passed away in, I think, 1965 or 1966. But if you want to know who the founders are, on that level, it's uh, the O'Doherty, Mahoney family, Charles Rice, uh, Buckley, the Buckleys, and um, Charles Edison. But... The conservative movement in New York State was a true movement and it garnered lots and lots of enrollees and votes immediately. Out of nowhere, it was a force. So who are the real founding fathers? It's the men and women who handed out the literature, got the petition signatures, and and manned the clubhouses.
3: You know, one of the things I remember as a boy, and my father was very excited at the time, and I really didn't even understand why, when Paul Adams garnered more votes than Franklin Delano Roosevelt Jr. Because that meant the conservative party at that point got Roe C. And I, I to me, it wasn't that big a deal. Of course, I wasn't that involved in politics. I was 13 years old.
4: Well, but my was father the, was yeah, very excited
3: about that. That I was the
4: that. Uh, second election. The first election, they had to get over 50,000 votes. And <laughs> interestingly, on election night, it looked like they had 47,500 votes. And, of course, once you finish counting the absentee ballots and all, they ended up with a little over 50,000. And the Daily News actually did an editorial at the time, welcoming them. It was a different Daily News, by the yes. way. It was a, they welcomed this basically uh, blue-collar party of conservatives into, uh, into the limelight. Remember this. The Conservative Party is not – the Conservative Party did come about to a degree because of uh, – the fact that Nelson Rockefeller was the head of the Republican Party and it had become, Republican Party had become a very cold place for conservatives. But there were a lot of blue-collar Democrats, cops, firemen, uh, different ethnic groups, many Catholics, who they were in the Democratic Party and felt that the Democratic Party running people like uh, Roosevelt's had left them behind. And they, in turn, also found a, a home in the conservative party. So the conservative party, as it is today, still is today, is that um, magnet for the dis- disaffected, who in turn can find a home to talk about and act on certain types of issues. And, um, and you know, we've we've grown a lot since then. We continue to grow, um, which everybody can't say about other parties. We're small, but we continue to grow.
3: Do you think there's ever going to be another successful third party in New York again? or
5: is it the I I don't you know Mike that's a good question. Right now there are basically four parties in in the state of New York. The Democratic Party, Republican Party, the Conservative Party, and the Working Families Party. I don't know that it's going to be that easy for another third party to be established. The law was changed so that the minimum that's needed to get on and be a permanent uh, line of uh, a party is much higher. Um, the ability to petition and to get the signatures that you need is much more difficult. I don't think it's going to be that easy. I think that they have to have a compelling story in order to motivate people to want to petition for them, to want to support them, and to want to get the number of of votes that they need to gain in order to become a legitimate third party, which I believe is a minimum of 130,000 at this point, right?
4: One hundred thirty thousand votes, forty-five thousand signatures. This year, uh, four groups attempted to meet that requirement of the signatures. They all failed. F- all four failed.
5: They failed, so it's not going to be. Some failed easy. miserably. Actually, yeah. there
4: were five. Yeah. One, f- one, failed so miserably that I almost forget it ever tried.
5: Yeah. So it's <laughs> it's not it's not going to be that easy anymore. I I don't I don't see it. And you know what? Maybe maybe it shouldn't be that easy. I, I don't know.
3: Now, I, I I want to touch upon something, Jerry, you talked about, you did another interview, and somebody asked you what Mike would think about Roe v. Wade and the of Roe v. Wade. I think we all know that it's a basic part of the conservative party for years and years, if not forever, about, you know, supporting the right to life. But do you want to comment on that further?
4: Well, I mean, actually, uh, you know, whether it be the national conservative movement or a lot of things happening in New York State, I mean— For those that want to go out and uh, and say that uh, that Mike Long could not have been looking at the newspapers recently or listening on the radio and come to a conclusion other than a lot of people were coming to their senses and beginning to understand once again why we in the conservative movement were right about a lot of different things. So, I mean, I and I look, I mean, I, I spoke to Mike, both myself and Fran had spoken to Mike Long in the last couple of days, frankly, yeah. and I was very aware that he was uh, pleased with the way things were going. I um, saw Mike um, while he was on um, hospice, and I think Fran spoke to him while he was on hospice. Yeah. I mean, you know, he really wanted to talk to me about politics, and he wanted to know where I thought things were going on different things now. Um I mean, we speak, we were speaking very regularly to begin with, but you know, in politics, things change. He wanted his updates and such. And, uh, he was still providing me with advice on our last conversation. And I can say, honestly, I was taking his advice for 45 years and I was just as happy to take it that day. But, um, I think Mike would actually be kind of happy, he'd be happy with the fact that we are beginning to leverage again and take back things. I think he'd be extraordinarily disappointed at what happened in New York. He was extraordinarily disappointed. You know, what was happening in New York to create an environment where people were finally understanding again why we were right and the liberals were wrong.
3: Yeah. All right. So in our chronological order here, I think we were in, I guess, uh, 1994, which was a you know, a very good year. And there were a lot of elections we didn't expect to win, which we did. And I think one of those was Pataki because if you know the the polls had him down on you know week before the election.
4: Um so I was with Mike on election day from beginning to end. I was at the headquarters um and he was in the his office and I was in the front actually talking to pollsters. And we saw that day developing as a win. I can tell you this: um, three or four days before, we knew of the polling that was internal to the campaign didn't show him winning. But politics is about trends. You know, you gotta you gotta match up the day, election day with where your where your polling is going because you know <laughs> that's the day you gotta be winning. At least these days. I mean, you know, at least I should say at least then now you've got all sorts of early voting and absentee issues, but th- that year you had to win on election day. So, um, so I don't think he was, t- he was, he was becoming very, very confident. Um, myself and Fran and a few others went over to the, um, to the uh, New York, um, uh, Hilton where they were election night, but Mike had already gotten there. He was upstairs with the uh, future governor and, um, and it was very exciting. But, you know, actually, we won pretty early. We knew by 10 o'clock. I mean, I think Governor Cuomo at the time was going up on uh, uh, up on TV. And, you know, we also knew because the Democrats had their event uh, down the block at a different hotel. And around 10 to 10, we saw all sorts of people who were clearly looking to, influence, to make money off of government, trying to get into the room so they could meet Governor Pataki running over from the Cuomo event. You know, something like that, that was something that Mike Long noticed. And that was something that Mike Long never stopped telling uh, the governor. And the governor listened. The governor, the new governor, Pataki, listened. You know, there's those who helped and those who want to make things different. And there's those who just simply want to eat off of government. Governor, you did not come here as that type of politician. And I want to stand alongside you and you not be that type of politician. And I can say, Governor Pataki... um, he was a close friend of Mike Long's was one of the most normal people you could think of, and you know lived his lived his incumbency uh, not not trying to figure out who those people were who ran across the street, but trying to figure out who those were that were going to make the people in the room feel that he was running a good government.
5: I think it's worthy to note that the Conservative Party was the margin of victory for Governor Pataki. We put him over the top, so we made him governor.
3: Can you explain that to some of the listeners out there? Because they may not understand what you mean by margin of victory.
5: Well, in New York State, um, you can combine the votes. So Governor Pataki was on the Republican and the Conservative Party lines, com- both. So what happened is the number of votes that he collected on the Republican line was not enough to overcome the votes that, the, that Cuomo had received. So combine the votes that were received on the Conservative Party line, that brought him over the top and the victory over, uh, over Cuomo
3: all right and you know we of course there were congressional races or whatever in New York um that changed hands and, and well,
4: but we picked up 5 seats in the state assembly which actually was significant because it it gave a comfortable margin so that they could not override in the assembly and they picked up a couple of seats in the state senate which gave them like um a strong, strong majority at the time. So Governor Pataki went into that first year, controlling all um, the wheels of government. I mean, Rudy Giuliani, the mayor of New York City, had the Republican may had opposed him, was supporting Cuomo. You might say that Governor mm-hmm. Pataki um, uh, swatted them back a little bit, didn't return his calls for a while, and then and then uh, Rudy Giuliani also came into the fold, understanding that Pataki was not someone to be fooled around with.
5: We also elected an attorney general that year, Dennis Vacca, on the conservative party. On the, line. On, again, on the conservative party line, at margin of victory.
3: Which was the last time I think we had an attorney general.
5: Absolutely, in New York State. that's right. That's the last time that there's been a Republican conservative attorney general in New York State.
3: Now, I mean, maybe I don't know. Maybe this show shouldn't be about politics today. But what do you guys? How how do you see the similarities between 1994 and today? Do you think there are any? Do you think Zeldin has a chance?
4: Well. <laughs> There are some similarities. I mean, and Zeldin has a very definite chance. I mean, some of the similarities have to do generally with the environmental issues. I don't mean environmental issues. I mean, the, what we're living within in this state, the high crime, the high expenses. Um, back then, it was more about taxes, less about crime. This is very much about crime and once, and government spending that results in inflation. So it's inflation um, combined. So, the environment is there, that similarity exists, but there are some dissimilarities too it is a it is definitely a different a different time. Can he win cuomo's big drawback was that he had been around too long. Hochul's big drawback is that he frankly simply holds office. She is a literally horrendous, absolutely horrible incompetent um, um, frankly um, somewhat um vicious and an individual who spends all their time trying to figure out which way the wind is blowing, no moral compass, no no compass at all. Horrible, horrible individual. So I do think that um, uh, Lee Zeldin has an excellent chance, and I'm very much aware of polling that has him within striking distance.
3: All right, and, you know, what's the thing with, with Hochul and Buffalo and her husband?
4: So... Uh, so a couple of things there. Uh, so Hochul just uh, put a deal together, which gave hundreds upon hundreds of millions of dollars to the Buffalo Bills, so that they could put together a new stadium, with very little pushback on the Buffalo Bills to uh, really pony up to the plate. There, her husband happens to work for a particular company that will that will that that's involved in food services and other actions concerning. Parks uh, Sports Parks, he's like their general counsel, and um, the company will benefit greatly from the deal. Now, in all honesty, this company does this sort of work all the time, but the but there is something he did. He should have uh, he should have uh, taken himself out of the deal. He should have uh, been more transparent. He should have, uh, you know, um, disqualified himself from the deal but he didn't. And uh, they only really want to explain themselves, the Hochul family, when they get caught. They got caught, and now they're trying to explain themselves. So that's the story. When you
3: say they get caught, I mean, you hear very
4: little about it. It's, let me say this to you, you hear very little about it until you hear a campaign spend all their time talking about it. That's a timing issue and a tactic and I'm not going to tell you I know what Lee's going to do, but I'd rather I'd be somewhat surprised if we didn't hear much more about it between now and November.
3: All right, now you, you know, getting back to Mike Long, I remember one of the things probably every other speech he gave in public, he was talking about the future of New York. He wanted New York a good place for his family to grow up, for his children and grandchildren to live. And I don't think we have too much of that around today.
4: Mike Long was a unique po- a unique political leader. He talked. Uh, I don't want to say he talked like, you know, someone. He he talked differently. He spoke differently. It's even a little bit more to that. He had a standard speech um, he developed while he was um, the chairman under Pataki. And with that speech, he sometimes would talk about a globe. In fact, sometimes I think they even had a little globe there for him, and he would hold it up and he would kind of spin it and he would talk about what this globe represented and what our views represented throughout the world and he would turn it try move it back to a discussion about the family and a discussion about children and he certainly could talk well about children and education. So he attempted to um humanize the conservative movement on a, on the ground type uh basis because that's what Mike Long was. He was a uh, you know a guy who did politics from the ground up?
5: He was a, a a very inspirational speaker. Where whenever he would speak, everyone was listening in the room. You, you didn't hear anyone talking. There were no distractions. You know, they they listened to what he had to say and they believed it. it. Was the way he said it was believable and it was encouraging and it was positive. And that's really a testament to to the person that people will listen to him when he speaks intently. What is,
3: Jerry, what does the conservative movement mean to you, Fran, and what do you think it meant to Mike Long?
4: Well, the conservative movement to me is about um, a way to govern and a way government can leave people alone but still provide a framework to keep uh, the nation and state and local government moving forward. So, I mean, there's a lot of elements within my belief of the conservative movement. I think Mike Long had a, a similar, similar view. You know, it's very hard. The conservative movement is a little bit about saying, get away from me. It's not about saying what you can do for me, but it's about get away from me. I'll do for myself. And I, you know, it, it, not, it, it doesn't mean there's no safety nets. It does not mean that we've become, um, you know, um, hard, but, or harsh, but, but we exist for the, we exist more for the individual than we exist for the government. I think that's kind of what Mike believed. Fran?
5: Yeah, I I think the conservative movement is about the individual. You hit it on the head. It's about providing the opportunity for the individual so that the individual can thrive. And that means getting out of the way, providing the basics that we need, the protection that we need, but allow us to grow and prosper and to move forward and to be free, and I really think that's important, and it's important today, and there are a lot of people out there that are looking for that. They want that. They want to feel secure, but at the same time, they want to be able to have the freedom to do what they think they need to do to move forward and to, and to progress, not to be progressive, but to prog- progress, to move forward, and to live the life that they want to.
3: You know, one thing that I couldn't conceive of, let's say, going back 20 or 30 years ago, but the restrictions that we have today on freedom of speech. You know, like, th- there's really not freedom of speech. Maybe the government doesn't interfere that often, but even today the government does interfere with, with freedom of speech.
5: Well, there's certainly been a backlash to that, I have to say. People are fighting that, and you're right. There is a, there is a, There are restrictions that are being placed on it, whether they're by the government or by groups out there that are basically attacking anyone that says something that they, that they don't like. You know, we have a constitution that's supposed to defend what you say, right? Even if you don't like it, I'll defend the right for you to say it. That's been lacking, and we need to bring that back.
3: Yeah, because, I, I you know, I know the other argument. Well, it's not the government that's infringing on speech. It's persons, and those people have a right to infringe on speech. But I, I, I think it still misses the point that you should be free to say whatever you want to say no matter what the the consequences.
4: Yeah, and, uh, and that is really one of the uh, it, it one of the you know. Let me say this to you: most people look at the founding fathers as having a liberal view. So maybe it was a liberal view in that particular society in the seventeen you know eighties and nineties, but today, uh, today the the um, liberal view tends to be the opposite. Let's uh, you know let's take away some of these freedoms because they argue that by limiting certain um, free speech um, areas, they might be in turn, you know, providing what they would consider uh, different opportunities to, uh, you know, for public safety or, uh, you know, to, to keep certain problems from occurring. They have realigned priorities in such a manner that what was liberal in 1790 is conservative today, and what was conservative in 1790 is now liberal today in many ways.
3: Yeah, I'm trying to think of that one. What was conservative in 1790 was liberal today. That I'm not sure I agree with that point. Well, I too. do. I do, think, I agree on the, with the I do think on the
4: free speech. On mm-hmm. the free speech. Yeah. Well. I mean, I think I don't. Wouldn't you consider the founding fathers and prospectively more liberal? And from what the the government. Was about in that time period.
3: Of course, they were formed. They were brilliant men who formed the government. I,
4: they, I, I heard, they were involved in a revolution. Yeah. <laughs>
1: you
3: know, and of course, they had differences of opinion, and you know, we can get into that or not. But you know, Patrick Henry thought differently than Alexander Hamilton, and so forth and so on. So, you know, they had their political differences, and of course, you know, they had, you know. When, they had really violent arguments true you know back then i mean
4: we still oh, haven't had
3: too many people fight duels
4: well. in the
3: public square right now maybe we will but all right well unless, let's we're, you know we're getting the close of our time jerry what how what would you say about mike long how should he be remembered you know obviously he's he's a great american a veteran a guy who loved this country, but what can you add to that?
4: Uh, this, the, Mike Long was a very complicated, multi-leveled individual who had been has been summarized a lot in the last twenty four hours as being good, honest, trustworthy, and loyal. Whether you're talking about his uh, enormous pride in his family, whether you're speaking about his belief in uh, good charities or civics, or you're talking about politics, there there seems to be a a set of superlatives that are uh, constantly attached to him, and all of them all of them um, are true. All of them are true. Now, I in the last 24 hours, I people keep on saying to me, I don't know, I've never heard a bad thing said about him. Well, that is completely <laughs> untrue too. And yeah, Mike I, had his enemies and over the years. It, but it wasn't even about But the enemies yeah. respected him. Yeah. Uh, the enemies respected him, but you know, I think at the time, they were not necessarily. People didn't come into a room with Mike Long, want something, or and he they came out completely disappointed and come over to somebody and say oh, i was com- I'm completely disappointed but he's a nice guy no they didn't like him at that point but as they thought it through and they understand he you know he was a he, his honesty and integrity was so great that you at some point had to conclude there was um some sort of um uh, core to him that you had to um believe in so th- to that point um there were uh, Hillary, Hillary Hillary Clinton of all people Hillary Clinton of all people actually told a group of people that had some of us in the in the area when it occurred Mike had stood up to Rudy Giuliani on something and I mean Hillary was no fan of Ru- Rudy's but Mike had stood up to Rudy Giuliani on something that just a lot of people didn't agree with Rudy Giuliani on back when he was Mayor, and, I, and Hillary Clinton told people that, says, I got to be honest with you, I, I like that guy Mike Long. He actually is somebody who you can depend on standing up for what he believes in, even if you don't agree with him. So you had people like Hillary Clinton out of nowhere. She was a U.S. Senator at the time in New York saying things like that. And I saw some comments today. Uh, from both a former chairperson, a woman chairperson of the Democratic Party, and the current chairperson of the Democratic Party, saying that we really disagreed with him a lot, but you always knew where he stood, and we respect that. So, I mean, what what can I say? I I, I can. Uh, 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 Mike was my mentor. People have been describing me as his protege. I am very very honored to have both those words ascribed to me. And Fran, you
3: have a...
5: Yeah, i just like to reiterate that. I mean, honesty, integrity, those go hand in hand with Mike Long. And more often than not, people would say they always respected him because he stood up for what he believed in. And even when it wasn't easy to do it, when it was difficult to do it, he always stood up for what he believed in. And that was important. The other aspect of, I'd like to bring up is that, you know, being a young person at the time, getting involved in politics... Mike was always available, always willing to help, always interested in what I was doing and my involvement. And I take that personally. And, um, you know, it was important to me. And he was was a good person to know. And he was somebody that I knew for a very long time, somebody who I respected. And uh, it was an important part of my life.
4: Mike, you knew him extremely well. I mean, you knew him for forever. Maybe we should just reverse it on you for a moment here. Why don't you just say what, what, what how you would answer this same question.
5: Yeah, well, Mike.
3: He was a great American, a great man. And rest in peace, Mike Long.
4: Thank you. Thank you. If you're a
6: homeowner 862 or older and are finding it harder to pay off debt, or how about enjoying your retirement years with less stress, a home equity conversion mortgage may be the answer for you and your family. Hi, this is Frank Melia, a certified mortgage planner, and I've helped countless homeowners all over the tri-state area tap into a little or a lot of their home equity so they can use it right now. Give me a call so our team here at Contour Mortgage can show you how the loan program works and how much you and your family may qualify for. My job is to help you find the best solution for your retirement goals. I do this by educating homeowners with straightforward information and answers. It's free to call and speak with me, Frank Amelia, to determine if this mortgage program might be able to help you and your loved ones now. Call and speak with me. I'll answer your questions and help you decide if a reverse mortgage is right for you and your family. Make the call now, 888-954-7463. Once again, that's 888 888- and you could be on your way to a better retirement Frank Melia NMLS number 62591 Contour Mortgage Corporation NMLS number 34384 990 Stewart Avenue Suite 660 Garden City, New York 11530 Licensed Mortgage Banker New York State Department of Financial Services
3: I'm
1: Beth Connors. Call today for a free initial consultation with one of our experienced lawyers. Connors & Sullivan in Brooklyn, Queens, Manhattan, and Staten Island. Call 718-238-6500. 718-238-6500 or connorsandsullivan.com. Do you have somewhere to sleep? Did you eat today? Are you making ends meet? For thousands of New Yorkers, the answer is no. For children and youth, adults, seniors, people struggling with addiction or mental illness, and for the isolated, Catholic Charities of Brooklyn and Queens is there. With 160 programs and more than 4,500 units of affordable housing, Catholic Charities is one of the largest multi-service charitable organizations in the nation. We help change lives and build communities. If you or someone you know needs assistance, call 718-722-6001 or visit
3: ccbq.org. This next bit is going to go out to Mike Long, who loved John Wayne and, as you already heard from this interview, loved his country as well. Thank you so much for being with us today.
2: You ask me why I love her? Well, give me time. I'll explain. Have you seen a Kansas sunset or an Arizona rain? Have you drifted on a bayou down Louisiana way? Have you watched the cold fog drifting over San Francisco Bay? Have you heard a Bob White calling in the Carolina Pines? Or heard the bellow of a diesel at the Appalachia Mines? the call of the Niagara thrill you when you hear water's roar? You look with awe and wonder at a Massachusetts shore where men who braved a hard new world first stepped on Plymouth Rock. Do you think of them when you stroll along a New York City dock? Have you seen a snowflake drifting in the Rockies way up high? Have you seen the sun come blazing down from the Bright Nevada sky? You hailed of the Columbia as you rush into the sea, oh, how you're headed, Gettysburg, our struggle to be free? Have you seen the mighty Tetons? Have you watched an eagle soar? Have you seen the Mississippi roll along Missouri's shore? Have you felt a chill at Michigan when on a winter's day her waters rage along the shore? And Thunderous display. Does the word aloha make you warm? Do you stare in disbelief when you see the surf come roaring in it? Why am I a reef? From Alaska's cold to the Everglades, from the Rio Grande to Maine, my heart cries out, my pulse runs fast, it's the might of her domain. You ask me why I love her? I have a million reasons why my beautiful America beneath God's wide wide sky
7: Kevin McCullough, are you or your parents' assets protected from nursing home bills? Did you know these bills can exceed $15,000 a month? People work their entire lives to live comfortably in retirement, but when people become ill and need to go to a nursing home or receive home care, the bills can drain their assets, leaving many people bankrupt. The good news is that you can prevent that from happening if you plan in advance. Connors & Sullivan's lawyers can customize a plan that specifically protects your interests, including your home. Schedule a free comprehensive telephone consultation with Mike Connors to discuss your issues and concerns from the security of your home. Call today, 718-238-6500, 718-238-6500. Don't let nursing home bills take your life's savings and leave you and your loved ones bankrupt. Don't wait another minute. Mike Connors can take you through the process by telephone and start a plan designed for you today. That's 718-238-6500. 718-238-6500. The preceding pre-recorded program paid for by Connors and Sullivan Attorneys at Law, PLLC